You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Well, as you heard at the top of the programme, our very special guest today is uh, Chantal Potgeter. Uh, I'm learning how to get the pronunciation <laughs> right, and Chantal gives me a look <laughs> if I get it wrong. Welcome to the programme, Chantal. Thank you so much, Blair. It's such an honour to be here. It's a beautiful sunny day out there. It's lovely. Well, it's con- so lovely. Considering all these deluge that we've been having, I think we had a bit of a deluge during last night, you know. Yes. But as you say, the, the sun is riding high in the sky. Now, you were born in South Africa. That's um, right. Which, which part? I was born in Cape Town, um, born in a little um, area called Bishop Lavers, uh, many, many moons ago um, to a very uh, beautiful family, my parents, and um, we are four children. Um, I grew up on the Cape Flats, as they would say. So, yeah, Cape Town, the most beautiful city in the world. I've never been to Cape Town. You haven't? No, I haven't. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I've heard, because you've got Table Mountain there, I think. Absolutely. uh, And whatever. Uh, In fact, I've been to lots of places in in Africa, but as far as South Africa is is concerned, I've been in the airport. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And and that's about it. I've flown in, and then usually it's been a springboard to go to one of the other African countries. So, Paint a picture. Yeah. Paint a picture of Cape Town for us. Then, what's it really oh like? Oh my goodness! Obviously as coastal. I said, it's the most beautiful city in the world. At coastal, you've got the Atlantic Ocean and the Indian Ocean coming together. Um, uh, Cape Agulhas is the southernmost tip of Africa, which is obviously down in Cape Town. The Western Province is quite beautiful. It's big, um, but the city centre, I suppose, is probably most famous and where people go. People go to Table Mountain, that beautiful, majestic mountain city And you have a cable car there. We've got a cable car going up and down. You can see it 360 degrees. Um, You can sit up there. You can have lunch. You can just, yeah, see the rest of the city, um, which is a beautiful picture. From there, you can see Robben Island, of course. You know, Very famous, of course. Very famous. One of, uh, you know, one of our heritage sites and obviously where Nelson Mandela was in prison for so many years. Um, you have the wine route, which is the Cape Wine. Well, of course, South African wines are very famous world some over. Some of the aren't they? best, some of the best. Yeah, I see it in some of the shops right here. In fact, I have a very good friend, a woman that has her own um, wine farm, and she actually has a wine, and it's sold here. Um, <laughs> a bit of advertising for her. I'll send her but, the bill afterwards. <laughs> you, yeah, you haven't mentioned the brand. No, I um, haven't mentioned the brand. But I'm so thrilled for her that she could actually have her wines in in the UK. But yeah, the Cape Winelands is beautiful. All these vineyards and all these uh, little villages as well. Um, If you go up the West Coast in Cape Town, you go to fishing villages. So Cape Town is really a blend of a a lot of things. Uh, You can even do a safari if you go just an hour or so out of Cape Town. So it's really a blend of beautiful lands. Landscapes, um, obviously very friendly people and very diverse cultures. I think, yeah, the the whole of South Africa um, is a quite 
great mix, but in Cape Town you'll find really all of them. I mean, the, the, world, the whole world is a global village these days, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely, and, yeah, absolutely. These metropolitan centres are the same the world over, aren't they? Yeah, very mixed, very blended, very cosmopolitan, and it's great. It's just variety. Um, yeah, so you, Cape Town, you have to come, please. I put, it on, I put it on my bucket list in Cape Town, yeah. Come well, on. Maybe by the end of the programme. <laughs> so tell us a little bit, what, what was your your early life like then? Was faith part of your family? Faith, um, later in my life, yes. Um, my parents were Christians. Um, there was a few years, I know my father was not a Christian, but his life changed um, drastically. And I suppose I remember that bit of him then, you know, going to church, taking us to church. Um, we were very small. As I said, I'm one of four. Um, very faithful, and my parents being very prominent in church. So I grew up, you know, with the gospel around me, with very good people around me. And, yeah, I, it, was, it was difficult times. It was still, still very much apartheid years. Um, so we, we, we stayed in very humble um, places. And I remember, obviously, having very little. But um, God provided every time. And uh, I, I would never have known that because my parents were just very um, generous always, even though they had very little. And because they were generous, they never lacked anything. So I cannot remember that we didn't have anything to eat at times. Maybe it was little. But I definitely, if I look back at it now, I can see that God has always provided and been there for us as a family. Well, I said Jerusalem there. I've got this picture in my mind of all the nuns in the Vatican City, uh, you know, boogieing down to that that particular song. But yeah. it's got that beat, hasn't it? Absolutely, you know? that um, African beat. And they feel good. They yeah, feel they good feel factor. good. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we left it that your mum and dad had taken mm-hmm. you to church when your dad had come to faith. Uh, mm-hmm. And so did your mum come through as well to faith? Yes, she was actually, you know, first the one that would take us to church um, before my dad actually came along. Um, And yeah, her life was also changed. um, And I grew up in in a Christian home. Um, I had great role models, people to 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 look up to. to, to, And yeah, they've shaped really my life and and my faith in God. So when did the penny drop for you then? So so obviously it's one thing going along. And paint a picture of the church. What was it like? Church, traditional church, really. um, But a lot of fun, I suppose. Um, A lot of dancing, a lot of music. (laughs) A lot of dancing, a lot of music. We're talking Africa here. (laughs) (laughs) This is Africa, yes. So there was no... um, yeah, it was. There was no dull moments, but it was very, um, as I said, traditional, and of course, very. Sometimes I feel law very much had to be, you know, stamped on us. And of course, as as a teenager, you 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 just take your own way. Sometimes, well, you have to find your place, don't you? You find your place, and you mix with this and with that, and you try all kinds of stuff. And 
But one thing I think our church was very good at is looking after uh, the young people of the church. And they would have things like, you know, hiking up Table Mountain. Of course. I've done done it so many times. And those outdoor um, activities, you know, hiking or going for a braai, a barbecue. You call it a braai? We call it a braai. The the official word is a braai. Ah. See, we're learning something. Today. Yeah. <laughs> a barbecue is a fancy word, <laughs> but for South Africans, uh, a braai is a very um, official get together. And you have the weather for it there, of perfect course, weather. So any time of the year, we do that. So lots of um, outdoor activities, and obviously that attracts young people. Lots of music that we listen to, and uh, we explored a bit, you know, on going the things that we wanted to do. But our church, as I said, was very good in entertaining young people. And it was on a youth camp with so many other different churches and their young people that we camped and uh, we got together. We had some prayers, of course, and um, just speaking about God, great leaders, great uh, youth ministry. And um, I think on one of those camps, I decided, well, I'm going to. I'm going to give my life to the Lord. I want more of this. And it it sounded interesting. It sounded wonderful. Um, And I said yes to the call then. Of course, after that, as you grow a little bit older, (laughs) you do uh, dwindle off as well. You didn't rebel, Chantal, did you? I can't can't believe it. It happens. It happens, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. It does happen. And, yeah, God just draws you back sometimes at different times of your life. I went on, you know, studying, um, and I I really wanted to do something different as well and in ministry. So I decided to do youth ministry. And the area where I lived in, um, close to the University of the Western Cape, didn't offer these courses. So I moved away from home um, at about 18 years old. Um, It was before democracy. And I decided to go to an area and to a place where this was offered, youth development. I really wanted to be um, part of that because I had these great role models and just all these wonderful things you can do in youth ministry and obviously share the good news. Um, but the area I went to, beautiful in the Cape Winelands, I didn't know that for the three, four years that I was there, it was going to be quite hard. It was at that point an all-white college. It, As I said, it was before democracy. Um, so it was very hard to get into the culture of that not that I wanted to get into the culture, but it was it was quite challenging. Mm. Yeah. Well, it brings us to that subject of apartheid, doesn't it? Yeah, it, unfortunately, yes. And I, I was surprised because um, it was a place where they offered youth ministry and, you know, social work and community development. But there was still that divide. Mm. And I remember, as I said, it was before democracy. I remember uh, some of the students putting you know, a piece of paper under my room, under the door, saying, you don't belong here. You need to go. Um, what are you doing here? But I felt... And were these, were these people who were also training in Christian ministry? Absolutely. So that must have been really quite shocking for you. It was shocking, as I said, and quite confusing because 
I really thought as uh, children of God, we, we all get along and we all accept each other. And were they saying that you didn't belong there at the college because of the fact that you weren't white? Yes, yes, it was because I was not white. I, I didn't belong there. They had these um, decades of tradition of just all white. Um, and of course, the Afrikaans church was very strong. It was actually one of the Afrikaans Church's institutions, Mm -hmm. but it was open for everyone. And, of course, I wanted to do this course. Um, So they invited you, but you weren't actually welcomed. But I was so convinced and I felt so cool that I wanted to do this. So you learned from a very early uh, time, I guess, you were were in your later teens and your early 20s at that point? Yes, I was. um, I was about 18. But before finishing even school, the last two or three years of high school, we experienced a lot of um, where the police would come to our school and, you know, shoot with tear gas and all of that. It was still very much in those protesting years before the release mm. of Mandela. And how did you personally maintain your faith during that? Because, I mean, it must have been quite surprising that the very church, yeah. the white church, was upholding apartheid, wasn't it? It was yeah. only later on that things were to change. Yeah, and the church that I belonged to was really the people of colour version of the Dutch Reformed Church. So we were separated even in church. We were in the same church, but because of our color, we you know, were separated. Yeah. We were separated. Mm-hmm. So, so we're, we're all one in Christ. Wasn't quite all <laughs> one in Christ. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're all equal, but some are more equal than others. Yes. Yeah. So you, you grow up like that and you think that is how it should be. Mm-hmm. But then when you go to college or to university where you meet different kind of people from all over the country, you start thinking, this is different. This is, this is new. Um, but... Very optimistic, as I always, I'm very positive many times. It was quite a shock play. It Mm -hmm. was a shock. Um, I knew back at my school the last two years was rough because of apartheid, but we were again all the same color at that school. So we were all fighting against something. We had a shared vision of what we wanted to do and, you know, just a passion of wanting to break through apartheid. But it was with the same kind of people. So studying, going away and then going to study, I was introduced to a whole group of new people, which I was excited about because I wanted to learn about culture. But it was... it was. But they weren't uh, accepting of you effectively. Yeah, they weren't accepting me. And the difficult part, Blair, is you are studying God's Word. You're studying people and how to love people, yet you are in an institution that really doesn't welcome you. So it was very, like I said, confusing at times. And I really had to find, I had to find God. I had to find the real God. Did did you think about giving up, you know, about? I thought about it once or twice. um, And there were, as as there are many activities at at a University College, where you where they um, where you can participate in, um, even there with activities and having you know putting my hand up. I want to do this. I want to do that. Um, they would welcome. Come, let's do it. But you're not going to be in charge. You're not going to take the lead. 
Um, and somehow, I have to say, <laughs> I was, I, I found that as a challenge, and I wanted to do it. I so wanted to break through that. And were there others like you that you could identify, others who were also being rejected? Yes, they were. Um, I was the, the second group of people of color that came into that college. So just the previous year, there were few. There were a handful. So the second year, we were a, a few more. <laughs> I think we were 10. <laughs> so ca- 10 against a thousand, was it? <laughs> 10 like against 100. It was that like David and Goliath story. Um, but I knew, in, I felt so strong. I had to be there. This is what I wanted to study. And I just n- felt no man is going to stop me from doing this. And even if it's my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ, that is subtly stopping me in it, I am not going to give up. So I push through. And apart from sending you horrible notes like, you don't belong here, is that all they did? Um, there are the comments. Um, when you do sit in class, there are the mention of, poor you, what are you doing here? Um, I remember this This town was extremely hot. It's very hot in the, in the Cape Windings. So I love to wear, I love to walk bare feet. And a lot of South Africans do it mm. because of the weather. It's nothing strange of to course. walk barefoot. We we play barefoot, whatever. But obviously, as a student, you know, 20, 21 years old, um, I remember walking just barefoot, and there was this uh, um, truck that the guys were sitting at the back of the truck, and they drove past, and they were just you know, shouting terrible comments and saying, you know, look at you, you're barefoot, can't you afford any shoes? <laughs> and I was like, what? It's so hot. Why would I wear shoes? But it was really mean comments and really mm. comments to, yeah, just to make you very discouraged. And it was, I have to say, it wasn't always easy, you know, to pick up yourself and just say, no, I'm going to push through. There were many times when I felt maybe I don't belong here. Maybe I didn't hear correct from God. Um, Maybe I should go home. My mom and dad were surprised that I wanted to leave home. All my friends after school went to the closest university, which is, was in my hometown, and I decided to leave. So from the very beginning, I knew I always did yeah. something very different. Well, now, my very special guest is Chantal. Um, pot, pot, pot geeter? Pot geeter. Pot geeter, yes. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. You're getting there. I'm getting it. And, and we've been talking really about Chantal's uh, life in South Africa. We're going to be talking about travel and, and volunteering opportunities and so on in a moment. Uh, but we were talking just before um, we heard from Adrian there about apartheid. Uh, and uh, Chantal was telling us about the terrible time that she basically had uh, going to college away from her home to a place where they were offering a course, a Christian a Christian theological college, yes. where she was told, you don't belong here. Uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, being a gutsy woman, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, you stuck with it. As you look back on those, well, it must have been very, very awkward and challenging times. Um, um, are you glad you stayed? I am so glad I stayed. It was an opportunity for me to get to know 
um, people from different cultures. It was an opportunity to engage in conversations um, about, you know, feeling um, not welcome. I remember a weekend, a friend of mine, and of course, there's a lot of young people oblivious to, um, you know, what was going on from the white cultures. Um, we became friends, and uh, I remember I went uh, for a weekend. I went home with one of my friends, and she, um, her father was a farmer, and they had a beautiful farm. Um, and I went with her, and when I got there, her dad was just awful. And oh dear! And she, she as a young nineteen twenty year old, didn't realize white girl, a white girl, lovely, lovely friend, and she didn't realize how her father felt about that. But clearly, when I came <laughs> to the door. It was very evident that I wasn't welcome. I didn't stay. I didn't think I stayed the whole weekend. I probably just stayed one day. Um, but, yeah, at, at, at such a young age, you really, it's... And your friend must have been quite embarrassed. She was so embarrassed. And it was a learning um, curve, you know, a learning curve. And I remember another weekend, a friend of mine, another one said, well, I want to go home with you. I want to see how you live and, um, you know, what you've been talking about. And I invited her and she stayed for a weekend. Um, we obviously had a very smaller house, but she she enjoyed it. And she was very thankful for letting, you know, allowing her into my home and learning about our culture. Mm-hmm. So I look back at it, Blair, and I think it was wonderful. I think it was Difficult times, but I do know that there was a lot that I've learned at those times. I had opportunities there that I would have probably never had. And I got to go to a farm. I got to enjoy some things that, you know, other cultures enjoyed um, and exposed to different ways of thinking and different ways of doing. And amongst other things, you got to meet the great Nelson Mandela. Yes, Um, I did. And... It happened when I was at college. My father, uh, at some point, and this made a very big difference in our lives, we moved from the the township area that we lived in, and my father got a job as a caretaker of a church building. And it was the church offices of the Dutch Reformed Church, but the Dutch Reformed Church for the people of color. So we moved into a home um, that was more than one bedroom than the house that we were in and it really started going well for our family Uh, my father had a job we stayed at the place where he worked and of course as the church officers um, every I think fourth year they had a synod so they had this big gathering of all the reverends of that church and I remember one year Nelson Mandela came and it was incredible. I saw this. My dad was also very tall and had this very white patch in front of his head as well. So him standing next to Nelson Mandela was quite <laughs> funny. <laughs> Cause, um, and I had an opportunity just to be amongst him, 
never spoke to him directly. You know, my dad said, you know, these are grown-up conversations. <laughs> but as a caretaker, even he had that opportunity to meet Nelson Mandela. But it was really because Nelson Mandela came because so many of the reverends of color, um, that's clergymen, of color, they were protesting during the apartheid years. And it's so interesting what Adrian said about why do we need to get involved in politics? And I remember very well um, leaders like Desmond Tutu, like Alan Busak, um, walking for for justice and uh, they were great role models to me. And that's why I believe that there was something other than what I've been told, you know, that we can, in our faith, we are able to speak up uh, for justice, for equality. And I love the scripture, obviously, in Micah, that says, um, act justly, love mercy, and humbly work walk with your God. And that was really motivation for me. And it's incredible to meet such a man that, you know, uh, we thought it could could have gone one of two ways, you know, war in South Africa, but it was a peaceful transition. Um, and um, Nelson Mandela was really leading that uh, with a heart of forgiveness. Um, I saw him as a man with so much peace and kindness. And uh, I think that's that's what I really of course he, want he, to do. He was respected throughout the world, wasn't he? Because, because of the very things that you've just said, because he was a man who had learned forgiveness and he'd learned uh, peace. And uh, can you remember the day when it, when it was announced <laughs> that he was going to be your next president? It was incredible. I have to tell you, I was actually there at the prison, Drakenstein prison in the Cape Winelands. So I told you I studied in the Cape Winelands. So it was literally down the road when he was released on that day. Um, I watched it on the television. I can remember. <laughs> yeah, I was in the crowd. I was in the crowd as a, a young person and him walking out with Winnie Mandela out of that prison. It was a joyous occasion. And we then went with him um, to uh, the Grand Roche Hotel that was there in Paul, and he had a little speech. And I was there actually with a radio station, <laughs> with a community radio station, the community radio station Well, of you see, Palm. now that you've said that, I have to get you signed up. I'll, get, I'll just get the contract <laughs> So, so you were reporting on the event, were so, you? No, I was not reporting. I had friends, and these friends, 25 years now ago, decided in their community they wanted to start something, and they started a community radio station. So it was really in the beginning of the radio station, but we were part of that. We were friends. We went with them. I wasn't a presenter at all, but I was part of that friendship and that group of people, and uh, I could go with him as well from the prison to the Grand Roche Hotel. We've got photos of it. Um, and it was it was a joyous occasion. So, of course, 94 came, 27th of April. And what can I say? The <laughs> <laughs> you know, it changed our lives forever. And people, I still meet people and people th look at it, how things are today and say, you know, was it really necessary? Because look at things today. And I 
I will totally 100% disagree because it changed my life and it changed the lives of people so profoundly. So people that even say to me it was better in those years. The government ran smoothly and this ran and, you know, we didn't have this and all of these ailments we have now. And I cannot express enough how important your freedom is. And that is what it gave to South Africans. Well, Chantal is my very special guest today, and we've been hearing about the impact that apartheid had on, on her. But she stuck with her course, <laughs> despite being told that she wasn't welcome at a Christian university. Uh, and uh, you went on then to do youth work then, did you? Yes, absolutely. I was able to actually travel throughout South Africa with a group of young people and we would go from little villages to towns um, really create doing creative arts uh, bringing the gospel over to to young people in a very creative way we did dancing we did singing we did miming <laughs> sounds as if you had fun <laughs> we had a lot of fun because we would stay two weeks in a town pack up and traveled and it really gave me such an appreciation for the country Blair because you know, coming from Cape Town, and all Cape Townians think that that's it. That's South Africa. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> we don't need to go anywhere. Yes. But I ventured out, and I went to incredible little villages, mm -hmm. and the people of those villages really captured my heart. And to see that people really made life with very little, but still very happy. And that really touched my heart. I think sometimes I say to people, I've lost my heart a little bit in the Northern Cape of South Africa because we went to these very small villages and you would drive literally two hours from the main road <laughs> <laughs> towards the coast on this side or, you know, inland on the other side to find these group of people. They would have 10 or 20 little houses, um, wooden wooden structures or whatever, and they would live there and they would be so happy. And with that, their culture and how they, how they prepare food. Oh, my goodness. I was one day, I, we came to this very, very small little dry area. Uh, I won't pronounce the name because it's a purely Afrikaans <laughs> word. And they were so happy. They welcomed us. And what they did, obviously, they slaughtered a a sheep for us. Ooh. <laughs> and obviously, you know, in, in African culture, that is, you are welcome. You are welcome. Mm. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they slaughtered it right in front of us. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> put your, put we just, your appetite went. I was, I was shocked, <laughs> to say the least. Coming from Cape Town, we haven't seen that before. But I also <laughs> realized that, you know, for them, they were so happy to see us, and this is their way of welcoming us. And they served us amazing tea, which they made from, you know, herbs that grow in the area. And just really, I just started appreciating this, this different aspects of the people groups of South Africa. So, yes, that's how we did <laughs> youth, youth work. Besides the traveling, I also, as I said, did workshops um, in Cape Town 
for young people, but my heart has always been with young people. They're so vibrant. They just think differently. And they also need role models. They also need someone to come in and say, you can do this. You are able to do this. You can achieve this. Whether you had struggles or challenges, um, you are able to achieve a lot more. Because, of course, because of my faith, and I would say because you were made in the image of God, you are wonderfully and fearfully made, and just to reinforce that all the time. So I've met incredible people while traveling and doing youth ministry, so I loved it, absolutely. And now, of course, you've now started your own little business, uh, which is called Temba Travel. Temba Travel. Uh, So where did this concept come from? Because I have traveled, because I have seen all the other gems, really, in South Africa, and I do love traveling with our family, my family. We have traveled um, abroad, uh, different places, and I really wanted to connect travelers with this part of South Africa, with a different um, the South Africa that they wouldn't see otherwise. I know if I ask anyone, if I ask you, Blair, what would you say if you, what comes up if I say South Africa? Well, I would think immediately of wine, and, and, <laughs> and, I, and I would think of Table Mountain, yes, uh, and, and I would think of the of the African heart because I love the the, the beat and the worship and the you know. Yeah. Of course, I've, uh, having been a lot in Africa, I spent a lot yes. of time there in other countries. I know the culture is so incredibly different, yeah. but very rich, very rich, uh, very rich culture. And I, I've certainly received. In fact, I didn't get a sheep, but I got some doves actually. <laughs> I, 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 I was in the Congo. Uh, and, uh, and a group of young people, they wanted to say thank you to me, you know, and they presented me with these doves, you know, and I thought, right. how am I going to take these on? <laughs> so I said to them, I said, thank you so much. I said, would, would you mind looking after them for me? <laughs> but, but the heart, you know, yeah, the, heart behind, the heart behind it, it was just yeah. fantastic. But, so, but of course, that's not, I mean, we, people, we, we don't really encounter the real South Africa in this yeah. case. Yes, and, and people think of it, you know, the beach and the bush and the oh, safari yes. oh, yeah. and all of those wonderful things. Mm. And it's all of that. But with Himba Travel, I really want travelers to to connect with the very heart of South Africa. And what does the name mean? Why Temba? Temba. And it's so convenient that I'm here today. Temba means hope. <laughs> well, there you go. You see, you are in the right place, aren't you? I'm in the right place. So Temba means hope in Isitkosa one of the languages, one of the 11 languages. And it's really bringing hope to people. So Timber Travel is really about South African journeys that inspires hope, that inspires change. And the vision is really to connect travelers with the people aspect of South Africa, with the communities, with those people that make up South Africa. I always say, Table Mountain is wonderful. It's great. It will probably stand there for many, many years. Um, the beach is there. It's beautiful. The wine is there. It's incredible. But there are great people and stories that I feel travelers need to hear and need to encounter. And so we've created very unique experiences for travelers to connect with uh, the South African people and they are waiting and they are um, they themselves 
the whole idea is that cre- that communities really create and design their own experiences, and I work with them, and I we polish it a little bit, or we, um, you know, just cre- make it so that people are very interested in it and want to see it, and but it really comes from communities. So it's really about empowering also communities and young people especially and women um, that are small operators on very small scale and I've just said I have the opportunity to create this platform then for for people in South Africa that that might not be seen uh, I feel still a lot of people are left behind are they are the least they are the last to get and I really want to try to change that and expose travelers just to a beautiful other part of South Africa. So, yeah, we create just um, experiences that are different off the beaten track. Um, you will you will get to go to Table Mountain. Uh, we don't take any of that. You will be able to taste the amazing wines. Um, but we'll take you to places where people has made quite a difference in their communities as well. Earlier I spoke about the woman that has her own farm in the Winelands. It's a woman of color, and she is a role model for other women of color and other people in South Africa to start their own. Because that industry, again, and even the travel industry, is really still... Um, yeah. Birthing, really? It's still birthing, and it's it's also still very much in the hands of a very few. And uh, I really just want to expand on that and give more people opportunity. Okay, so people listening to us right now, um, how, how do they discover the opportunities? And tell us something about what they'll be doing. How does it work? So there's different opportunities, different experiences. Uh, the first and foremost is volunteering holidays that we do offer. And again, this is me connecting travelers with community initiatives, with community heroes that have worked very hard to make a difference in their communities. Um, there are volunteering opportunities in education, in health, in youth and community development as well. So we match then your skills, what you've learned, your experiences with the right project, and you get to spend a couple of days, whether it's a week or two weeks, volunteering. But we also want to, you are our guest, so we want you to make you feel comfortable. And we have partnered with some wonderful establishments and accommodations. Um, I think of in Cape Winelands, there's a four-star hotel, which the owner is a huge community hero in that area. And when I approached him, I actually didn't approach him to to ask if we could use his, his accommodation. I went with a friend because I wanted uh, to capture a story about the woman that works on that farm. And afterwards, he just said to me, Chantal, if you need anything, you can make use of this establishment. So it's volunteering with comfort. <laughs> yes. With comfort. So, so you're not going to be on, on, on mud beds or, or mud dormitory. Huts, or dormitories, yeah. No, no. You're no. going to be made comfortable because we want to give you a feel of, you know, uh, 
the beauty and everything that comes with South Africa. So, but we we really want to use the skills of you, that you've acquired. It could be. If I take an example, the Youth and Community Project, um, this is what we're doing today, actually, yeah, the radio. Because of the, the radio station that I'm affiliated with, um, if you have any skills in how to run programs on radio, if you have skills on teaching young people how to do radio, media, um, you're you're making a pitch for me. Well, yeah, <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness! <laughs> Graphic design, uh, how to market, you know, over radio, and they've done incredible. These young people with this community radio station has gone out into the community, captures the stories of the community um, on a little device, mm. and then come into the station. And they are being shown how to cut it, how to make it, how to polish it, and then how to present it on radio. So that is one of the projects. In the Cape Winelands, you'll be obviously at this four-star beautiful um, establishment in the wine in the Winelands while doing this project. You have the health project, which is um, in a coastal town. So you are literally 800 meters from the beach in a beautiful Victorian-style house, but you will be assisting in the health project where you might have been a nurse or you want to do um, screening for people. We have, in this project, we have an amazing, and it was a pastor, it is actually a pastor, that on a Sunday, it's church, but from Monday to Saturday, he does community work. The, the hall is completely transformed into a center where he feeds uh, children, where he does uh, blood pressures, uh, screening, uh, eye testing for the very poor people, very poor community of the Strand area in Cape Town. So we match then your skills what you've experienced in life with the project that is the volunteering holidays so if somebody listening to us right now is saying you know what that that sounds a bit something different you know um does it begin with a conversation with you absolutely absolutely they can contact me or we what i do is really do maybe a zoom call or just a whatsapp call really finding out what is it that you would want to do um for how long would you want to go? And obviously giving them a little bit of background about the culture of South Africa, you know, making you really informed before making a decision to want to go. They can contact me and we can plan it. It's open to individuals, to couples, to families, to small groups and they can contact me and we can talk about what is the so right time So it's to bespoke come. in that sense? It's bespoke in that sense, I suppose, yes. Yeah. yes. And uh, and in terms of cost, does, I presume that varies. Does it? I mean, obviously the, the airfare is pretty much a fix, isn't it? Yeah. Um, at this point, I don't do 
flights. Um, I feel people do look for their own way sometimes yeah, to get, get there, there, to get themselves there. And there's, there. Lots of op- there's lots of deals to be had, isn't uh, there? Lots of deals. I don't do flights, but from the moment that you do land at Cape Town International, Blair, <laughs> there will be somebody waiting for you and then taking you to your accommodation. And it would be the first day would definitely be orientation first and just settling yourself in to the area, meeting our coordinator that would be with you for the week or the two weeks that you do volunteer. And then the next day, take you, you know, all your transport to the project from the project is all included. Some of your meals are all included. And there's ample time over weekends when you can venture out and do your own thing. But because we know you are a traveler and you might not know South Africa or the area, we do connect you with a small operator, someone in that area that can show you around. So you don't you don't inadvertently go into the dodgy places? <laughs> no, I know that is quite a concern for many people. They think about the safety. And it's important for me as well that our clients know that where they are situated, it's safe. Um, they not in harm's way. So it's very important to me as well to to make sure that you are not in harm's way. Well, of course, we all need Jesus. Now, if you're somebody who wants a holiday, but a holiday where you can really make a difference and help the community and I guess be fulfilled, then you ought to be talking to Chantal. Because you were working on all of this, your brainchild, you you knew the the projects because of having lived there and volunteering for those projects yourself. Yes. Uh, But but of course, you were launching it just when this little thing (laughs) called COVID came along. Oh, brave me. So that must have been hugely frustrating for you. It was frustrating, yes. November 2019, I mean, it's November now, it's about three years ago. I felt I want to launch it. I had everything prepared. I'm so excited, Blake, you know, taking groups and showing people a different side of South Africa and then COVID hit. And I really was so gutted. I asked the Lord, so <laughs> what is this saying? But I was just so motivated even to do more. I kept busy in the two years of just crafting more beautiful experiences and connecting and broadening my network here in the UK. Mm-hmm. And just I had some online um, events that I did during that time. Everyone was obviously glued to either Facebook or Zoom or Net, you know, Netflix or whatever. And I did a few things online just to give people a taste of South Africa. And I knew I need to continue and keep the momentum. There were times where I felt this is not going anywhere. And of course, as you know, they said lockdown, we're going to remove some restrictions. And then all of a sudden it was. And I guess South Africa would have been badly hit as well. Absolutely. So everything like everywhere in the world, came to a standstill. And you can imagine the travel and tourism industry just really 
was at a standstill. There was nothing. Uh, the partners I partnered with were telling me stories of how difficult it was for them. And some of them had to leave the industry and do something else. And, of course, with the volunteering holidays that, that I do offer, it means that there would be nothing going into these nonprofits that I work with. And I just put, you know, threw my hands in the air. What, what more can I do? What more can I do? And I remember God saying to me, you have to run. And <laughs> why do I need to run anyway? <laughs> Where do I run to? <laughs> Where do I run to? I'm running to you, God. Tell me what to do. And as the Lord is always good in just, you know, making us so creative, my husband and I decided we're going to run the Bournemouth Half Marathon. <laughs> and we're going to raise funds for these nonprofits because the industry is, you know, frozen yeah. at the moment but what can we do what do we have what can we do and we started practicing um we had a very good 14 week routine that my husband so kindly put up for us and we practiced and we ran the Bournemouth Half hey, Marathon last sponsored. year we were not sponsored but a lot of people gave towards it they donated money and uh, we were able to give this to one of our charities in South Africa so as William uh, Winston Churchill says never waste a crisis you can do something Absolutely. you know and the crisis came to us everyone in the whole wide world but there were things that came out of this that was wonderful. I have to say to you now, after two years, even the travel industry and the tourism industry has now changed in many ways. And they now look at how can they make impact to the destinations that they go to. This was never... On their agenda. On their agenda. It's all you hear all about sustainability now and responsible tourism and making social impact, environmental impact, of course, climate change. And there's just a better approach now to the industry. So for me, COVID came. It was something that we've learned a lot out of. But yeah, 2019, it was very much in my heart that this is how it's supposed to be that we should use the industry to make impact. And because I come from South Africa, because I come from Cape Town, I have not been part of this, um, you know, the travel industry and how we could benefit from it. The people of Cape Town really don't. The, the people of South Africa really don't. It's only those major and big companies that have done it for many years that really benefits from all of it. And I say that because when I've listened to my partners and to the small operators, to the women operators during COVID time, they said that, you know, these two operators, unfortunately, from the UK or from America has pulled out. They have left their workers. They have um, left the country and there was nothing happening and a lot of people lost their jobs and that had to change for me and that's why I'm very intentional when I choose people to partner with that I know it will make a difference to them 
And if you, <laughs> I have to say, if you invest in a woman, <laughs> you invest in a community. So I am very much about empowering women as well in the tourism industry. And they, I choose them when I design trips. I choose them if I do a, a leisure tour where I would want to teach you about the food culture of South Africa. I choose a lady in the Burkhab that makes the most wonderful Malay curries. But she also tells a story. And it's also in the comfort of her home that she teaches, um, you know, a, a recipe. So it's all about empowering the smaller operators. And just, yeah, I think that gives a beautiful and a new flavor to, to the industry. So you're launching it now. And uh, here you are on Hope FM. Tell me travel. Hope travel. <laughs> yes, hope travels. Uh, and uh, and so if people want to take it at the next stage, uh, give, give you a ring. To, is there yes. a website they can check they out? They can check out com, And that is Temba, T-H-E-M-B-A. Yep. Which means hope. TembaTravel.com. They can also call me on my number. Uh, my number is on the website. Um, I have an Instagram page, Temba Travel. Mm. There's a Facebook page, Temba Travel, with contact details. Yeah, they are very, very welcome to contact me. You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Well, my very special guest, as you've been hearing today, is Chantal, and you've been hearing all about these wonderful opportunities. I, I guess it's travel and volunteering with a heart, uh, which is make, making a big difference to the indigenous population uh, in small communities uh, throughout South Africa. So you can take the best of what you know. Uh, and actually, it's not just about giving, because it's also about receiving i think one of the the things that's come over chantal as we have spoken is that with your own experience as you've encountered your friend who had the farm and and the and people running the community radio station and the people the pastor running the health program you've you've encouraged all of these people they've captured some of your heart haven't they <laughs> i think so they do they do say things about me but um i I just think of ways how to help them even more um, because I know their needs and also I know what a difference it makes in the communities. Um, it's feeding people, it's educating people, it's taking children through school, it's creating jobs for people. So we all know that we need to earn, we need to impact and this is just a way where I have designed Temba Travel to to do business. It's a it's a vehicle basically for enabling people to, in, I guess, encounter these ex- experiences. You know, to use the gifting that they have. But of course, any encounter like this, you learn more than you give, don't you? Yes, you do. You do. Every time I go back, I was back in February meeting up with some of the people that I work with, and every time I sit with them and talk i learned so much um there's one lady actually two two ladies that i've introduced to each other now they are friends and they create this beautiful welcome gift 
for our guest. And it's really made out of recycled material. The one is very passionate about upcycling. So, I mean, you can imagine, but out of a tuna can, she has made such a, a gorgeous little um, holder. And her stuff is being sold at Cape Town International Airport. Her stuff is even up at Table Mountain in the Curio Shop. She's a bit of an entrepreneur. She's an entrepreneur. And I think with what I've been doing is we all are entrepreneurs. We all want to create something and we all want to solve some kind of problem. And uh, I think with Temba Travel, that's what we want to do as well. There's loads of social issues. There's loads of struggles that people go through. And I think when people think travel to South Africa, it's always the very glamorous part and the wonderful photos we see. But, you know, behind Table Mountain are real people with real issues and real struggles. And because I come out of those communities... It, it's just right that I do something to empower and make an impact. When the people come back, the, the, your, your, your clients, your, your, your family clients that yes. you had so far, what, what impact did it have on them? Well, they said to me, you know, we've um, just exceeded their expectations. Um, I do have it on the website, their review of how they absolutely enjoyed being in the game reserved. The young girl had ample opportunity where she met with conservationists and uh, all you know ecologists that she um, really enjoyed conversations with giving her an insight of what it would be like because she really wants to study as I said veterinary science and work with big animals. Now, if you want to make contact uh, with uh, Chantal, then you can do that. You can write her uh, email at Chantal at Temba Travel. Now, the Temba is T-H-E-M-B-A. Mm-hmm. It means hope, actually, in one of the South African yes, languages. it means so, hope. <laughs> so it's Temba, T-H-E-M-B-A, and then travel, T-R-A-V-E-L, dot com. So it says Chantal, and that's spelled C-H-A-N-T-A-L. T-A-L, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And the website address, then, is uh, Temba Travel www.tembertravel.com Check it out. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I guess that like, all of these things, you're going to come, come on again and tell us some more. And, you know, when yeah, we get absolutely. a few clients going, yes. and, then, and then actually, uh, you know, I, I guess that one of the things that really will help you is as more and more people go. Yeah, uh, and absolutely, yes. They will. So, uh, but I, I guess that, you know, when God gives a vision and you, I mean, whether it be your, tra- you know, your experiences with apartheid. I mean, God has taken you through some pretty rough times, hasn't he? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And yet, here you are, uh, as positive. Uh, uh, yeah. I have to say, when I, I have, I've got a mentor here in the UK that's been really encouraging me and helping me with the business. And um, at one stage, I was so frustrated, and I said to him, this is not working. All these things and methods I'm learning, and it's not working. And I was completely frustrated. And he looked at me and he said to me, he said, this is nothing to you. You have come through so many adversaries. You just need to hold on, he said. 